lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hashtag Jazz. We're recording just after the Super Bowl where my New England Patriots lost. So... I may or may I not be a show. You, I would so. tell you I'm sorry, but I'm not. <laughs> that's that's what everyone's gonna say. And I've got all my coworkers and stuff with like the student paper that I work at, and they're they'll be sympathetic, but kind of like you, it's like not sorry. Like, yeah, they were all rooting for the Eagles. So, <laughs> and really, I saw one graphic where uh, it was like had a map of the United States, like show people rooting for the Eagles, like all the U.S., and then people rooting for the Patriots, like. New England, you know, Maine, Massachusetts, Connecticut, all that. And I think that's pretty accurate because I feel like I'm one of, like, five Utahns who rooted for the Patriots. <laughs> no, but, a close friend of mine, he, he's a Patriots fan. He, um, and I haven't heard one word from him, so I'm sure he's steaming mad. He actually, he lost $100 to me because he double or nothing in the – Giants Patriots game <laughs> with like two minutes left. I'm like, I don't know why. In my head, I'm like, I don't know why you're making this bet, but sure, I'll take it. He took it and I was like, cool, hundred bucks. <laughs> I'm. He was a he was a little intoxicated. <laughs> oh, that that's a bad way to make bets. But I'm I'm surprisingly content. Um, although I guess I don't know. If you're listening to this, you probably already know who we are. But I don't think we introduce ourselves. Um. I'm Jason Walker, the aforementioned Patriots fan. Uh, Trey Sanders, the guy who doesn't care about football. <laughs> the unsympathetic man. Yeah, I like how we, we spent the first minute and a half talking about football on a Utah Jazz podcast. It's so, topical. I mean, the Super Bowl just happened. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but we are going to talk about the Jazz because unlike my New England Patriots, the Utah Jazz are actually winning. Huzzah. Yeah. And they're playing a better sport. <laughs> Bas- basketball, <laughs> the thing is, I haven't played football in a long time. Um, I mean, I've played pickup games, but that's just not the same. I haven't put on a helmet or pad since high school. So I've dedicated most of my playing time to either soccer or basketball, and I just watch football. So Right, well, you don't get as violently hit and injured as you do in those games. I don't know. The way I play basketball, it's, I don't know. I'm a big guy. I, I throw my weight around. So sometimes, well, usually I'm doling out the hits. Huh. I, sometimes Why are I'll you do not the, playing hockey? <laughs> maybe I could play hockey. I cover hockey for a, a newspaper. <laughs> yes. But I've, I've skated one time in my life. I've been ice skating once. Oh. And, and I'm very proud of the fact that I didn't fall down at all. And so I'm afraid huh. to go again because I feel like I'm just going to biff it. Most likely. It's a, I'm sure you've, it's been a while for you since that <laughs> one time. Well, I haven't, I haven't biffed it on the ice skating rink. So, well, it, the time I ice skated was like last, this past like September, I want to say. Uh-huh. But anyway, back to the jazz. Their 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 five game win streak. Uh, it's I don't. Know, it's just kind of come out of nowhere. Kind of like their last win streak where they won. It was it was six straight, kind of spanning November and and into the early part of December. 
and then now they've won five games, and once again, Donovan Mitchell has been crazy, although he's not the only one. But, and we'll get to that in a moment, but one thing I wanted to talk about with Donovan Mitchell is the question of, is he a star? Is like, Could he be considered a star now? Yes. At least in the minds of Jazz fans. The, the whole league is is waking up to him and most of the people he's talked to, I mean, uh, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, the, you know, those guys have all been talking to him because you get the acceptance of those guys. You're a star. Then the way he's playing, he's a star. He followed up his second straight rookie of the month award with a 40.9, uh, night on 19 shots. Like, are you kidding me? He's, he is a star. Like, <laughs> yeah, and and I went through I after that game and I saw like he only took the nineteen shots because I missed like pretty much all of that game because I can't even remember mm. what I was doing I was working or something so I missed that game. Um, actually, I remember driving home and I looked at my or I I asked Siri my on my phone what the score was and I was like holy cow because they were winning by like forty at that point. But yeah, I went back and I looked at all the forty point games that have happened so far this year. And Donovan Mitchell, like, there's only been, like, five or six, I want to say. It was somewhere between – it might have been closer to ten. There was, there was one trend with Donovan Mitchell where there was, like, only ten players who – I think it was ten players who would taken less than 20 shots and scored at least 40 points. And huh. and I think I looked at all, the, like, the exactly 40-point games, 40-point and 41-point games. There was, like, only a handful – so it was super impressive that Donovan Mitchell was able to do that, that he was able to score so many points on so few shots. In fact, I'm pulling up the data I have right now so I can actually not stumble over myself. <laughs> um, yeah, it just it – was, Well, it was for one thing, is he's, his shot, when he takes that shot, uh, he just always looks like he's on balance. He's got that shot that every time you take it – you're expecting it to go down, and when he misses, you're surprised. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing. So, yeah, it was it was the first one. So, with the there's been five players to score at least 40 points with fewer than 20 shots. The other guys on the list, Aaron Gordon actually has done it twice this year, Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, and Lou Williams. So, just that efficiency is absolutely insane. Now, keeping in mind, though, a lot of these plus 40-point games have included, like, 50-point games or more where they kind of do have to take more shots. But still, that, that efficiency and just the I, – I can't get over the efficiency of Donovan Mitchell because I've said this before. I thought Donovan Mitchell coming into this, this season, after I saw his impressive summer league performance, I was thinking, all right, this guy is going to come in. He's going to score 15-ish points per game, but he's going to be fairly inefficient. He'll shoot in the low 40s overall. He'll shoot in the mid to lower 40 or 30s um, in terms of three-point shooting. But he has absolutely not done that. This year he's shooting 45% from the field overall and 35, almost 36% from three and scoring 19.7 points per game. He's closing in on 20 points per game. And it's just insane. Yeah. And, and this is why I would consider him a star because I'm starting to think like earlier this year I was like, there were the comparisons to Gordon Hayward or just kind of, it was almost a forced comparison because they're different players, but they're in essentially the same role. And I just think 
Donovan Mitchell is having as much of an impact, almost as much of an impact as Gordon Hayward last year. And I'm just, I don't know what to think because Gordon Hayward, it took Gordon Hayward seven years to finally average more than 20 points per game. Donovan Mitchell's probably going to do it in his first year. And well, for for Hayward, he was always a project where Donovan, it just looks, it, everything he does looks natural. It's just him, like, when you see a new move come from him, it surprises you because that was just him saying, like, oh, what happens if I do this? What happens if I do this? I mean, there were two uh, two plays in that Phoenix game where he took big contact, but he was just able to keep that balance and just scoop it up and in, you know, and now he's figuring out how to get these steals. It's, I don't know. I mean, I can't think of really – what mentally that is. I don't know if that was something with Hayward where he would just mentally was afraid. I mean, there was a few times, even his rookie, especially his rookie season where he just looks scared. Whereas Donovan has never been, he's never come off as scared. He's there for the moment. He's there for the big moment for sure. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a totally different story because the kid is just naturally gifted. Like, there's no other way to put it. Yeah, and I think he has that advantage over Hayward because Hayward was never as gifted. He didn't have – he doesn't have the ball handling the athleticism. He really had to develop athleticism. Like, yeah. And and you mentioned Donovan trying out new moves, and I, I've noticed that as well, and you're exactly right, and he's just doing these different things. And his game has evolved, which is one reason why I don't think he's – well, he hasn't hit a rookie wall, and I think that's one of the reasons why is – those those new moves that he's doing, he's keeping def- defenses on their toes, and I think it's just amazing that he's developing so much inside of one year. And Gordon Hayward improved a lot, too. I, I give Hayward a lot of credit. He became what he was through hard work and through training and all these different things, and he added new things, too. But it was like a year-by-year thing. You know, slowly but right. surely, he, he added a really nice step-back jumper. Uh, he was able to become a finisher at the rim. And all these right. different things, Mitchell's doing all these things right now. He's becoming a good finisher. He's working on his jump shot, and yeah, he's do he's doing that right now. But even like think about how much better he will be. I mean, you give him seven years, we can't even we have no we can't even say what could happen in seven years. We have no idea. Yeah, I mean, give give him seven years, he'll have all these different moves. Maybe he'll form his own step back. I haven't really seen him do much of a, any kind of step back. Um, so I guess that's one move I haven't seen too much he's of. He's done some of them. He's, yeah, he's, he's done, done some. He's he's done a lot of different things. Um, and maybe I just haven't watched enough. But all these different, he could develop his own set of signature moves. And we're looking at a guy that if he is actually able to develop and continue to work hard, then he can become some of these like 25, 26 point per game. I think that's probably somewhere around his ceiling is in the 26 to 28 point range. Again, if he continues to work hard, because obviously if he doesn't work hard, this will be his best year ever, because that that can't happen to rookies. I don't I don't see that ever happening with Donovan. I I just don't. the The acceleration in which he became what he is at this point. I mean, he didn't start the season off very well. He was hit and miss, and then he just incrementally got better and better and better. And here we are, a little over halfway through the season. And he hasn't even come close to a ceiling. 
And with that unpredictability, I mean, how do teams scout for that? Because they, you don't know how to guard him. You you may know a few tendencies, but he's just gonna he's just gonna fool with you and be like, oh, if you didn't scout that, <laughs> just you know, like next year he's gonna be ridiculous. Yeah, give him an offseason and to to continue to work. And I think this is a guy who can make the All Star game in his second year, provided a couple of things break for him, because there are so many really talented players. But I said this guy has become a star now as a rookie and he's dropped multiple 40 point games and he's doing a lot of the things that Gordon Hayward didn't do because the thing that kind of puts you on the map and really like when other teams have players the only way I find out about them is when they put up these you know really crazy nights that's like that's how I learned more about Jimmy Butler I'd never really heard of him and then he starts performing really well makes some headlines are you so-and-so scores 40 points and in that way um sorry that's someone walked by me. But <laughs> it, it's those performances that put you on the map. And Donovan Mitchell's put up two 40-point games. Yes. And, and those are the kind of performances that get you on the map that get you to stardom. Gordon Hayward, I don't remember if he scored 40 points in a game. I think he might have done it once. But that was like last year or something like that. And I can't even remember if he actually did score 40 points in a game. But he was always this kind of under-the-radar guy. And that's why he was never really a true superstar. He was just... He was just an all-star that was a good player. Yeah. And, and I think um, that's just the main difference between Mitchell and Hayward is that Mitchell has more of that it where he's making a huge impact. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no question about it. And it's helped bolstered a lot of other people. Like, at this stretch, even I like Ricky Rubio, all of a sudden, you know, the he's put there's a fire under him now there's been a fire in the team ever since rudy came back yeah we lost to atlanta but after that i mean overtime win hard fought mucked up game in detroit and then we go in and win in toronto donovan was huge in that game rubio was huge in that game and then golden state was like the culmination of everything this is it was just glorious yeah and i think this this team has become the best team for this five-game stretch, obviously they're not the best team in the NBA, but right now, like, if you were to pick anybody to win, it would probably be the Jazz, just like you said, the way they've been playing and all this coming together. And there might be a bit of a surprise factor that teams haven't been ready for Rudy Gobert to come back. But putting Donovan Mitchell and Ricky and uh, Rudy Gobert together, throw in Ricky Rubio, who's been playing masterfully these last few games, then it's one of the better teams with a fairly unstoppable formula because, I mean, if Ricky Rubio is hitting shots, like he went 9 of 9 in the first half against San Antonio, then the Jazz instantly become unstoppable, I feel like. They just Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's just insane to see, like, beating Golden State by 30, doing it against Phoenix, and then doing it shorthanded against San Antonio. I don't, you know... I wouldn't say that nobody was prepared for Rudy to come back because at this point he's played seven games. I just don't think that teams, even us, like nobody expected the Jazz to just all of a sudden flip the switch and become uber dominant. Like we are seeing what this team has been capable of all season, but we've been uh, riddled with injuries and inconsistent play. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about a system thing. People like Joe Ingles, 
Joe knows that system very well. AB knows that system very well. Rudy Gobert knows that system very well. Who's the outlier? Ricky Rubio. Maybe now he's for uh, maybe now he's figured out what that system is and how he fits in that system. Dude has been like, I don't think he ever played like this in Minnesota. I didn't. I haven't followed him throughout his career in Minnesota, so I don't really know. So if anyone wants to correct me, please do in comments. But I mean, Ricky Rubio has been playing inspired, and so is everyone else. Everyone else is catching on to it. Joe Ingles is shooting more threes than he has all season, and they're going down. I mean, there's a confidence on this team that has not been seen all season long. I do think I do really agree with you that the that Ricky Rubio learning the system is probably a really big thing. Maybe it's just taken him this long. And when you look at the last few games, um, he had 23 against Golden State, 11 assists, 14 points against Phoenix, nine assists, 34 points against the Spurs. Nine assists. And one thing, when I was watching the game against the Spurs and late, with the way he was scoring, um, like he, see, he went 9-9 and 2 of 2 from 3. I think he had something in the mid-20s points in the first half. And he only scores 10 the rest of the way. And I think a lot of that was he was using, I think, maybe, I don't know if it was Ricky Ruby doing this or kind of Quinn Snyder, is that he was using that, you know, drawing people toward him to – make others open, because I saw there was like three or four plays in a row where he ran the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert and I think Derek Favors as well, like kind of a, a series of plays between the two of them. And he'd just go in, he'd draw two defenders, a little pocket pass. There was one that Derek Favors got on and one. He had another one to Rudy Gobert. And just, you know, when, when Ricky Rubio has been on on offense, he's such a huge asset and that he's able to, to manipulate defenses so much better and just makes the Jazz offense – all that much better and it's been absolutely insane where they've scored over 100 points in like most of their last few games like i i'd have to look at well, yeah i mean i don't i not off the top of my head do i know this average but 129 against gold state 129 against phoenix that's two games in a row of 129 and then we do 120 against san antonio in san antonio without donovan yeah, it, it's just insane. They've scored, yeah, it's like 120 in the last three games, and they've had 120 points five of, like, their last eight games, maybe nine. It's absolutely insane. They had 115 in the other game. And it, it's just, it's crazy how much they're doing. And they're doing this, and we talked so much about Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert not fitting on offense. Rudy Gobert's been back since the New York Knicks games, and they've had four 120-point games since then. Yeah. And I, <laughs> it is just insane. It just baffles me. I don't know what's going on, and I think – I do agree. I think Ricky Rubio's play, but also just other guys have stepped up, and one guy that uh, you brought up that you want to talk about is uh, Royce O'Neal. Oh, I love Royce O'Neal. Yeah, I've, I've just come to love him so much because uh, – like, we talk about um, Dennis Lindsay finding Donovan Mitchell at 13. This guy is, uh, I believe he was undrafted yeah. out, out of yep. Baylor. And uh, he's he's earned his spot in his rotation. And, and just looking at the last few games or so, you know, before he was averaging, he rarely went over 15 minutes. 
and he's averaging like 25, 26, 27 minutes a game in the last three games. And this last game put up 18 points, five assists, five rebounds, had three steals, one of which was huge late in that San Antonio game. Oh, that that last one sealed it. That was it. That was that was the you're not – this is our game. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I totally agree. When I saw that, I was just like, bam, that's it. That, that was huge. Man, I, I haven't jumped that high off the couch in a long time. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, because San Antonio had gone on like a – a run, we were up by like seven, and then they were within seven or eight, and we were th- they were within three, and yeah, just that steal, and then that dunk. I was worried he's gonna miss it. He looked out of control, and then just calmly throws it down, just throws yeah. it down. And I was just like, he, I love you, Royce O'Neal. He's the he's that energy guy, man. I I don't know what it is, but Dennis Lindsay finds these diamonds in the rough, man, that are just energy guys. They're gonna go out and play hard every single play. It doesn't matter how tired they are, or how inexperienced they are. They're going to do something good for you. He's been doing that throughout the season. He's just been flying under the radar. But then when he comes in and starts putting in meaningful minutes, it's just he's he is a baller, man. I love his game. He has he's got he plays with that chip on his shoulder. He's got a good shot too and really breaks down defenses when he he has a good first step when he gets inside, man. It's tough to stop that dude. And and that that is a surprising thing is that he's contributed on offense and a lot on defense. He's got six steals in the last three games. Obviously, three of those coming in the San Antonio game. But it's just – and I think just a credit to, again, Dennis Lindsay for finding Royce O'Neal and for being able to put together a roster that seems to be meshing together now. They seem to have kind of found their their groove and their rotation – and and I think this kind of transitions into something I, I really wanted to talk about, unless you want to talk more about Royce because he kind of deserves it. But I one have, of the I mean, I've, go ahead. I've said all I could say, really. I mean, I'm just I'm just happy about this stretch of games for the Jazz, man. <laughs> it's been awesome to watch. Yeah, and and one of the things that I noticed because we've we've talked about Rodney Hood the last few episodes. And there's been a lot of trade uh, speculation, a lot of different things. And I think we've both kind of uh, agreed that Rodney Hood can be an effective piece. Um, there's obviously some things that uh, he needs to work on. But I think in a way, that the same kind of way we talked about Derek Favors earlier is that he's a good piece but doesn't fit. I think Rodney Hood is somewhat similar. And unless he changes a lot about him soon, I think the Jazz, you know, if they kept him and, and were able to pay him, this is kind of the risk I think we talked about that he could become better and you could lose him for very little coming back. But one thing I, I thought of either during the San Antonio game or maybe a little after is that the Jazz have gone on you know, the two major winning streaks, the one of six games, the one of five games, and Rodney Hood has appeared in only three of those 11 games. And mm. he averaged like 23 minutes in those three games, so he wasn't really in, he hasn't really been involved in either of these winning streaks to a major point. And in that San Antonio game, he ha- he had like 18 minutes. Royce O'Neal pretty much took all of Rodney's minutes, because uh, he was playing so good. And and I went back and I was doing a little more research and I was trying to figure out okay what's it like when the Jazz don't really have Rodney Hood, and 
in 18 games where Rodney Hood has either not played or played less than 20 minutes, the Jazz are 13-5 and five with a plus 6.8 point differential on average. Hmm. Which, when you look at the trend, that's a 59, almost 60-win team. That would put us firmly in third behind uh, the Warriors and the Rockets and, like, third overall because the Eastern Conference isn't really that good. And this could just be more of a, a random trend, but, again, this is an 18-game uh, stretch, like an 18-game sample size. But I just wonder, are the Jazz better off without Rodney Hood? Because when I think about it, it's kind of like with Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor is a really talented guy. But the Jazz traded him away, and what did they do immediately? They went crazy. They had one of the, the best defense in the league. They had the best second half of the season that year of any NBA team nearly made the playoffs. If I'm mm-hmm. thinking of the right year. They, like, they nearly made the playoffs that year. After trading Ennis Canterway to clear up space for Rudy Gobert. And I can't help but think, would it be a similar thing to trade away Rodney Hood, maybe get a guy, you try and get like a, a first-round pick and maybe another wing to kind of bolster the rotation because we have like four wings on this team right now. And you have another guy to bolster rotation, but it's like addition by subtraction where you're having a guy who maybe just doesn't fit the system and that you're technically better off without. It's just kind of a thought that's been rolling around in my mind with Rodney Hood and that trading him, the fact that he's gone might be worth more than some of the assets we get back. But I've been wrong before, but that's kind of the thing that's been running around in my mind. What are your thoughts, Trey? Uh, I like... I like where your head's at on this because it, it, it does become increasingly clearer that, you know, Rodney Hood, is this isn't the system for him. I know I tried to defend him the last episode, but um, I think you're right, man. I, if anyone goes, and I'm going to kind of divert a little bit here. If anyone goes, I think it's him because um, – uh, Derek and Rudy have seemed to figure it out. Like with the way that the chemistry is working and the flow of the offense, these these guys have seemed to figure it out. Given they haven't played together on the court as much as they were prior, um, but regardless, I I have to go off, build off your theory. I think that Derek Favors would be better served playing out the year here and then getting more money in free agency in the off season. The guy you want to get rid of right now is Rodney Hood because we still – Alec Burks is healthy. He doesn't make the best decisions on a consistent basis, but he's a good wing player, and that's the way he should be. I, I don't ever like it when he plays point or um, anything like that. And then Joe Johnson, he's still in that conversation too. But would you send Joe Johnson to – like say it's a two-team two, uh, two deal – you send Johnson to a contender because maybe he doesn't want just the playoffs. He wants to win a championship. That's fine. But um, And then you give Royce O'Neal those minutes of Rodney Hood. You just bring in a guy to back up Royce, Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal has earned that six-man spot as far as I'm concerned. Because if you get someone who can at least hit some shots from deep like Rodney could, not – well, I, I want to say consistently, but Rodney is not very consistent – but, you know, someone who can 
hit that shot when the when the number's called and still play within that system. That's the hard part. Yeah, I think you'd like to try and find a guy similar to to Tabo Cephalosha, which I still don't like the fact that he's hurt. It just bums me out. Yeah, it is a bummer. Because Tabo was that guy because uh, he actually hit shots with fairly regularity because I think with uh, Hood, I think he's really outside of Joe Ingles is the best three-point shooter when you consider volume in the in the in the three-point percentage. Because, um, like, Drebko and Raul Neto have higher three-point percentages, but neither of them had the volume that Rodney Hood did. Right. But but Tabo, he was shooting 38%. Um, okay, like I said, somebody who would probably come off the bench. Um, and also you got to consider, we're looking at getting Dante Exum back hopefully within a month or so. Um, that would be yeah yeah that's another that's another thing i mean part ways you know even it's just rodney's gotta go i think that this team is better without him (laughs) and and that's the frustrating thing because you look at his box score impact like just pure numbers he's the second leading scorer on the team uh at least per game i i don't know what it is by the totals you know 16.4 points per game 38% 38% uh, from three. Uh, he does shoot like 41% overall. But he takes like almost half his shots from three. And he takes 14 yeah, shots I mean, per game. That's not bad because you want, that, you want him taking those shots. It's just how he takes them. Yeah, it, it, he, does, he does do a lot of those pull-ups. Usually whenever he pull-ups, I expect it to go in because that's just – I've For seen sure. it so he, many times where he goes off and makes like three threes in a row, and, and, and it's just – Right, he's got like that rhythm dribble that he takes right before he gathers and shoots. He's pretty good at that. I mean, I I still like Rodney. I just don't. Yeah, he's just this this system doesn't work for him. He is the he is cut from the same cloth as Joe Johnson. He is your isolation shoot threes and uh, slash guy. Yeah, and I've had enough of of Joe Johnson's. Although he's doing a lot better, I think he's finally back in shape. Because he's he's hitting a lot of his shots. Um, yeah. I, I don't have his percentage, but every time now when he pulls up, I'm like, oh hey, that's probably gonna go in now, and it usually does, and he, he's playing a lot better. But I do well, think that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say. I mean, he's he is playing better himself, but it also the way that the team is playing is helping not just him but everybody play better. Yeah, I think that is the thing is that everybody's kind of stepped up. There really hasn't been a player who's done badly, which maybe that's just an indication that this is kind of us playing over our head. Well, it is us playing over our head a little bit. But just the way that everybody's playing from Ricky, really the whole starting five has been spectacular. All the bench has been pretty spectacular. Not perfect, but you guys have all stepped up. And... Yeah, I, th- I think this uh, the consensus is that it, Rodney Hood trading him would definitely be some addition by subtraction there. And Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it gives you a little bit more money to play with come come the postseason. You could probably pick someone up for less than he's getting paid. It's it's a good it's a good business decision and it's a good decision uh, long term. Like I said. Favors, I think, at this point, because he hasn't moved and Miritich has gone to the uh, gone to the Pelicans, uh, 
Um, one that shows that New Orleans is very serious about make uh, not just keeping their playoff spot but contending. Um, and two, who do you replace favors with now? I don't, you know, it's I'm sure that there's a four out the stretch four out there that I'm not aware of that could definitely do it. But I I just I had this idea that maybe it just makes more fiscal sense for the Jazz to just let him finish out the year, let him test free agency, see how much money he could pay or he could get paid, and let him make the decision from there. Do do the Jazz see him staying? Probably not. I mean, I don't. At this point, the Jazz moving forward, they need that stretch four. We've talked about that plenty of times. But it would just not only be goodwill to him, just be like, hey, we you could get more money in free agency than just us trading over your contract. Because if he you trade over his contract, he could very well get paid less than what he's worth. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, this, this winning streak does prevent a very interesting scenario in that the Jazz could very well be much less uh, trigger-happy in terms of trades because they might be afraid of messing things up. I think we, with Rodney Hood, trading him might be a benefit in a way, as we've already said. But I think this has really affected Derek Favors in that they're having this success largely because of Derek Favors playing that pseudo-backup-center power-forward role. In that yeah, I think just holding the ground when Rudy was out. Yeah, and I, I, the thing is, is that it's nice right now, but I think you can't do it going forward. Now, this isn't something that we can do long-term because I think we've seen enough that we know that this isn't going to work long-term. Uh, the NBA has just moved on from that style of basketball, and it's kind of a fluke thing, kind of like the Wildcat in football or any other number of uh, things that have worked for a little bit. That, Like I said, we do need to stretch four, and, but I don't know if the Jazz are going to try and make the playoffs because if they want to make the playoffs, they got to keep favors. Because he's, yeah. he's a great player, he's a great backup center, and they've made it work with him and, and uh, Rudy on the floor. No, but you're right. Someone else coming in, I think at this point with the with the confidence level and the chemistry at this point, it would just muck it up. Yeah, so so trading would mean we're tanking, we're not trying to, to get to the playoffs, unless it's maybe just one trade with maybe Rodney Hood or some other small trade, maybe Joe Johnson or something like that. But getting rid of favors would mean – we're still not trying to make the playoffs. We want to get some assets out of either Derek Favors or Rodney Hood or something and play for the future. And that's a very difficult decision because there's always the short-term motivation to get to the playoffs, and the Jazz are within striking distance. I don't really s trust the Pelicans that much with Miritich. He does definitely give them a boost, but Miritich isn't DeMarcus Cousins. And so they're <laughs> no, still going to fall no. off. <laughs> I don't know how much more level-headed he is. He did get his, himself punched. So, he should, he should have oh, a... Well, the that was just someone throwing a temper tantrum, I'm sure. <laughs> I think DeMarcus Cousins will punch Miritich? That would be weird. Possibly. Maybe he's like, you stepping on my ground, son. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I... The Jazz can still make the playoffs. They're on a roll. They're like... Less than four games out of the playoffs. I don't remember what it is now after uh, the game against the Spurs. But they can make the playoffs if they try, or they can play for the long term and collect more assets and try and make something this offseason. Because I think 
with a Jazz Rat, they're going to end up late lottery, or depending on what happens, maybe just outside of the lottery. But getting another first-round pick could help the Jazz to move up a couple of spots, because when you think about it, their best players on their roster, at least in terms of assets or long-term viability, have come from trades or something like that where they acquired them on draft day. Think of Donovan Mitchell, right. um, Rudy Gobert, I think even Rodney. Um, Derek Favors came from a trade, although like halfway through the year. Just most of their guys, like Raul Neto as well. Just looking down, a lot of their pieces have just come from trades. They rarely draft in their position, and they end up getting good pieces because of it. So, you know, giving Dennis Lindsay more ammo for draft day would be huge for this team. But, Absolutely. but we've also talked extensively about how much we'd like to see this team in the playoff because of the winning culture. And so, again, we, we thought we'd have this thing solved, whether or not they go to the playoffs by now, based on whether or not they won or lost or traded somebody. But we might have to wait. Like, once the trade deadline happens, I think we'll know. I think we'll know what the Jazz are trying to do. But yeah, whoever, yeah, exactly. Whatever move they make is going to tell us exactly what they're going to do. Um, however, I I still, I really think that, that, that Favors is staying. If anybody goes, it's going to be Rodney Hood or Joe Johnson. Yeah, and I agree. I think just based on how hard it would be to move Favors, they're not going to be, be able to move him without. Yeah. It, they don't want to take on anything because I think trading away Favors and in order to get a first-round pick out of Derek Favors, which is what Lindsey's going to want, they're going to have to take on a contract, which the Jazz do not want to do. I mean, like there were thoughts about the Jazz maybe trying to trade for Kemba Walker, but the only way they'd get Kemba Walker is if they took on one of those obscene contracts that Charlotte has. They've got like three horrible contracts with uh, Nicholas Patum being the absolute worst. Marvin Williams is... What, just like being overpaid? Yeah, overpaid. Like, Nicholas Batum is being paid like almost $25 million a year. Dwight Howard's getting paid a lot, and he's pretty much always getting overpaid. Marvin Williams getting paid like $16 million or something for being a fringe starter. You know, but that Marvin Williams is worth that money. Yeah. And that's, I, I not, think... just saying, that's not just saying that because he played here. Marvin Williams is great. I love him. Yeah, I, that's that's really the one contract I, I could swallow. But, again, Hornets aren't trading uh, – it's the Hornets, right? They're not the Bobcats anymore. Yeah, they're, not yeah. they're not trading Kemba Walker. <laughs> I grew up with them being the Bobcats, and now they're not. So, Wait, no, you didn't. Wait, well, when were you born? So I was born in 94, so they were the Hornets back then, weren't they? Yeah. But, like, my – I became – I started learning about basketball in, like, the early 2000s. So even if they were still the Hornets then, like oh, when I first okay. really started following the NBA, they were the Bobcats. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. I was I was very, very concerned with like a timeline I had mucked up in my brain about when you were born and like how that far back your basketball knowledge goes. Okay, so that makes sense. I was like, wait, what? No, they were the Hornets first. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and like to get another idea, like I remember the Sonic, I think the, the Supersonics, I think Seattle that was Super right around Sonics. the time I was really getting into it, they moved to Oklahoma City. So I think I remember that. Right, yeah. They just, uh, they 
just drafted Kevin Durant, and then they're like, oh, we're going to OKC. <laughs> yeah, still make fun of uh, Sonics fans. So- I keep saying Sonic. Sonics. The Super Sonics, or just, I don't know. Enough about Sonic. dead NBA teams. Um, <laughs> I think we just lost all Seattle-based fans. Uh, hey, I didn't say I didn't talk any crap. I would <laughs> love to see the Seattle SuperSonics come back, and I hope that the city of Seattle is still actively petitioning to get them back. And I hope they do. That's where they belong. How's that? Yeah, I, I would like to see it. If if some NBA team dies for whatever reason, which I don't think they will, I'd like to see one back in Seattle. But one of the teams is going to have to move because they're not adding another. That's true. Yeah, if they add one, they have to add two. But anyway, I think that's that's probably going to go ahead and, and wrap it up. We're going to cut this one a little shorter today. But I think just with the way the Jazz are right now, things are definitely good. And, you know, we'll see what the Jazz try and do. They're going to lose eventually. I don't know whether it'll be this next game. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's questionable, I think, still. After yeah, yeah, I mean, dude's got the flu, man. He's getting... Play through that. Be a man. Oh. I played while I was sick. Yeah. I, sometimes I don't know. I played two weeks ago when I felt sick, and here I am. I'm still sick. So. Tis the season to be sick. I think part of it had to do with the fact they didn't sleep at all before the San Antonio game. That's honestly what I thought when I heard he was not going to play for flu-like symptoms. I thought, yeah, man slept for three hours and is sick. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Got to give him that for sure. But again, to throw it back in there, that was that was a testament to where this team is at because they did it without Donovan. And I think it just adds to the leadership of Rudy Gobert and also Ricky Rubio. He's developed himself into a leader as well. And it's we're we're seeing this team gel together, and we'll see how much they can gel together and see if they can put together some sort of run. Obviously, I think they're they are playing a little over their head. They're not the best team in the NBA, even though they're playing like it. But yeah. it's kind of a show of what this team can be, and with some tweaking, we've, we've talked about how this roster needs some work. But mm-hmm. you you put that work in there, you build around Donovan, you get yourself a stretch four. Maybe Ricky isn't the long term solution at point guard; he's kind of a stopgap while we wait for the for Donovan or for Dante Exum to come back and form that backcourt duo of kind of dual point guard, dual shooting guards um, in the backcourt. We need to come up with a name for that, like the the point guardless uh, backcourt. I don't know what to call it. That, that kind of thing that we're expecting to see. And maybe that's a long-term solution, but this is the kind of thing that we know we can see from this team with some good pieces. So... Oh, absolutely. We we we've we've gotten a glimpse over this five game winning streak of what this team looks like when they play really well. And you're right. At some point it's going to come to an end, but this is always something that these guys are going to remember and it's always something that they can draw from going forward no matter what. And the other thing like the most I think the most impressive thing not only like the way they've won, the way they've stayed as, together as a unit and played the full 48 minutes of these games, is that they've been doing this amidst very active trade talks. That is awesome. Like that is mental fortitude to the fullest. 
I think that really goes to show just how amazing this organization is. When you look at the Cavaliers, they're a hot mess of garbage in terms of organization. Yes, Talent we call level? that a dumpster fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be eloquent. <laughs> That's fair, but... That's fair. <laughs> well, I mean, their talent level is through the roof, but the Jazz, their talent level is relatively low outside of, I mean, we look at it, their best score is a rookie. And yeah. so their talent level is not very great, and they're getting production from, I always love saying this, this balding white Australian man. Like he's <laughs> one of their, their most impactful players. So true. he looks it's like true. a guy you'd run into at a bar. Except he's six foot eight, so. Yeah, but and he and he's totally likable. Yeah. Joe Ingles is the man. I would love to spend a day with him. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people that agree with that. But anyway, that's been a uh, it for us at with hashtag Jazz again. My name is Jason Walker. I'm Trey Sanders. Sorry about my voice, y'all. It happened to me a few weeks ago. It happens to all of us. But anyway, thank you so much for listening and. Go Jazz. Go Jazz.